Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name's Aaron. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and if we don't know each other yet, man, I'd really love to get to know you. I'm glad that each one of you are here today. Um, we, well, I, I would say I get a real privilege just to walk through and lead you in, in studying and trying to apply God's Word. And so uh, I'm glad we get to do that this morning. If you are just joining us for maybe one of the first times or one of the first times in a while, I want to let you know what we've been talking about. We've been going through a series called Starting Point. It's based on a, a, a video series that we use often here. Um, we, we do it about once or, or, or two or three times a year where we will lead people through a, a video series where they can kind of explore faith for themselves and wrestle with a question um, that goes like this. No matter how I was raised or where I came from, no matter what my background is or what I used to believe or used to think, is there a new starting point or an adult starting point for faith for me right now? Is it possible that there could be an adult starting point for faith? And so we've been kind of trying to unpack a lot of the things that maybe some of us grew up with, some of the ideas that don't seem to jive with like adult life because can we just all acknowledge for a minute that adult life is and can be quite difficult, <laughs> right? Like this whole adulting thing, let's leave that to the kids. And uh, no, I'm kidding. It can be difficult. And sometimes you grew up with ideas that really just don't, don't fit with adult life. And we've been trying to unpack some of those. Now, as I was growing up, um, I learned some interesting things about God. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. As I was growing up, I grew up in a really like kind of close-knit, conservative, um, Baptist church where we had a lot of, does anybody want to finish it for me? <laughs> wow, did you grow up there too? <laughs> and I'm not trying to pick on anybody from that background or whatever, but I, I grew up with a lot of rules. And it just seems like whenever we have conversations about religion, conversations about faith or church or anything like that, we're, we're always talking about rules, regardless of your background. If you grew up going to, let's say, you, you went to synagogue, or you grew up going to mass, or you grew up going through confirmation in your catechisms, or whatever it might be, you certainly heard a lot about rules, because regardless of what religion or background there was, there's usually conversations about rules. For example... Um, there's all kinds of rules when it comes to religion. We have the five pillars of Islam. If you grew up with, a, with a, a Muslim background, you would learn the five pillars of Islam and you would be told that you need, to, you need to love Allah, but you have to keep these five pillars in order to be good, to be in. We have even the Ten Commandments. We find that 
in the scripture. That would have applied uh, especially to, to people from a Jewish background. But then the Jewish, also, Jewish people also have what is called the halakha, okay? And so it's a, it's a collection of teachings and moral precepts and guidelines, and you really, you, you really need to stick to that. And then um, even in the Catholic Church, we have what is called the precepts of the Catholic Church, and that would kind of be a collection of rules or... or um, guidelines, things that you really needed to do. Now, I grew up in the Baptist church, and we had lots of rules, you know, don't smoke or chew or, you know, go with girls that do. Sorry, I had to say it. I don't know why. There were a lot of, other, we had a lot of rules, you know. In my town, there was also a Presbyterian church, and, you know, they, they had, had some rules. I don't I think they kept them, but they had some rules, and then you had the, the Catholic Church, and they certainly had rules, but if you broke them, you could just go and, you know, get, take care of it, and, and then the Lutherans, and they certainly just didn't have enough rules, we thought, growing up. That was, that was my background, but as I think about faith, and as I think about an adult starting point for faith, I've had to wrestle with a question that actually does come up in the scripture. It comes up as we think about, you know, having a right relationship with God. And the question is this, what is up with all of these pesky rules? Because I remember thinking that God was just a cosmic fun hater. You know? That God must be sitting up in heaven and dreaming up ways to keep me as a teenager from doing anything that I wanted to do. You don't have to raise your hands, but did anybody else grow up like that? You know? Oh, wow, my son is raising his hand. All right, here we go. It was easy to think that. But what I want to walk you through today is really what, what is the role of rules? Why are they there? What's it all about? Because we've been talking about God and His grace and God is simply saying that the starting point for faith is really just trust me. But now you're telling me there's all these rules. What's that all about? Well, to begin... Let's just talk about rules for a minute. First and foremost, rules always assume a relationship. Would you agree? Whenever we make rules, it always assumes a relationship. My wife and I, we got, got married 19 plus years ago. I know I don't look that old, but we did. And, and we started having children almost 16 years ago. And when we started having children, we started making rules. Rules for the children. Now, here, here's the thing. When we started making rules, we didn't take those rules and apply them to other people's children. Now, let's be clear, there are times I want to, okay? There are times I want to say to the neighbor kids, hey, as long as we live here, you can't come over, <laughs> okay? 
There are situations, you know, think about it. I don't pick up the phone and call my neighbor's children at 9 o'clock at night and say, hey, why are you still up? Is your homework done? Have, you need to go to bed. Did you brush your... I don't do that. Because the rules are for those that I'm in a relationship with. Rules always assume a relationship. And we know that. But the question is, what kind of relationship? And how do we get into the relationship? There are a couple of different ways to enter into relationships and to have some rules. Now, I didn't make these up. I stole these from somebody else, and I've seen it applied like this. So just, you know, I'm, I'm not this smart, but let me just share a couple of things with you, okay? There's a couple different models or, or ways that we get to having rules. Number one, there is the family model, and that's a lot like what I just told you about. My wife and I started having kids. We, when we started having kids, we started making rules, okay? Um, we didn't make the rules and say to our kids, hey, here's the deal. As long as you keep the rules, you're in our family. You, you get that? We didn't do that. We made the rules because they were in our family. The, the rules came after they were in our family. You, you, you understand that, right? The second model is what we could call the, the, the club model, or this would be like a, a country club. You know, a, a country club will say to you, here are the rules. You must dress like this and act like this and talk like this and pay this much money. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you're a part of a country club and I've offended you. You're welcome. But um, we have all of these rules, and you must Agree and keep the rules in order to what? Get in. You see the difference? One assumes that you are in, and then come the rules. The second says, keep the rules, and then you're in. So which model is it with God? Which model is it for us in a relationship with God? Because the Bible is clearly filled with one or two rules. E even, if you've, even if you've not ever studied the Bible for yourself, you are familiar with the fact that the Bible has some rules. In fact, I would, I would say you would probably go, hey, I know the Ten Commandments, right? And here's what I love. I love when people like to tell me, I know the Ten Commandments. Oh, cool. What are they? Um, yeah, don't lie. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. We, we think we know the Ten Commandments, but in reality, I, I think most of us can list maybe two or three. I, I, I could maybe list, you know, I studied it this week. I should be able to list all ten. <laughs> okay. But by the end of today, my goal is not necessarily that you know all of the Ten Commandments, but I do want you to know where they are, and I want you to know why they're there, okay? So, the Ten Commandments, first and foremost, is found in Exodus chapter 20, okay? Let's say it together. The Ten Commandments is found where? Exodus 
Oh, wow. You guys got it. All right, good. Exodus chapter 20 gives to us the Ten Commandments. Now, let me give you the background of what occurred, okay? In Exodus chapter 20, we find the, the, the nation, the descendants of Abraham. We've been talking about Abraham in this series. His descendants, okay, he had, Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons grew up into a great nation in, under the thumb of Pharaoh in Egypt. And, he, and, and after 400 years of slavery, God heard their prayers and decided to deliver them from their slavery. Moses was told by God to go to a man named Pharaoh and tell him, say it with me, Moses went and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. No. And so then all of nature went haywire. I mean, everything went crazy. Grasshoppers were everywhere, right? eating everything in sight. Locusts were everywhere, eating everything in sight. Frogs, imagine frogs all over in your house, in your bed, in your food. They went everywhere. The river, the Nile turned to blood. I mean, things went crazy and Moses kept going back and saying, let my people go. And Moses kept saying, no. Oh yeah, Pharaoh, thank you. Let me get that right. Pharaoh said no. Finally, God said to the nation of Israel, he said, here's the deal. Pharaoh's going to let you go, and here's why. My angel is going to come over the land, and he is going to kill every firstborn in every house. Every family that does not take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorposts, put it above that, that entryway to their house. Every family that does not do that, the firstborn in those families is going to die. And so God came through. He passed over the homes that, that did this, and His angel killed the firstborn in Pharaoh's household, and all the other households in the nation of Egypt who didn't do what God had said. And finally, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, get out. Get out. And they went. Now, there's, there's more to that story, but not long after that account, God was leading his people through the wilderness and taking them to a land that he had promised them. And, and shortly after, just a couple of months after he leads them out of the nation of Egypt, he stops at a place called Mount Sinai and he says to them, okay, let's talk about the rules. And I want you to see what God said. Exodus chapter 20. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. Then God, okay, the same God who had delivered them, okay, the, the God that we're talking about, is there a starting point? Can you, right here, right now, have a starting point for a relationship with God? God gave the people all these instructions, okay? 
Well, what kind of model is it? Is it a family model? Is it a club model? Do you have to keep them to get in? What, what's going on? Let's, let's find out. He goes on in verse 2, and he says this, I am the Lord your God. To which all of the people, having seen everything that they had seen, God flips the switch on nature and it goes crazy, and God, God delivers them. And then he leads them across the Red Sea on dry ground, and he delivers them from the nation of Egypt, the largest nation on planet Earth with the largest army at that time. They were a bunch of nobodies who didn't even have swords. God delivered them. And now you're saying, I'm the Lord your God? Yep, Got that, you're God. We get it. But he said, I rescued you from the land of Egypt and the place of your slavery. Yes, we get that. So what's going on here? God is just saying, before we start, before we dive into this, let's make something clear. I'm God, you are my people. Look at this. I am the Lord, your God. We get that you're God, but you're ours? And we are yours? Yes. Well, what did we do? What did we do to be your people? What did we do to get into a relationship with you? Because Israel hadn't done anything. God said, take a lamb. Sacrifice it, put it on the door. Okay, great, but, but God, we have some questions. How is that going to stop? Just trust me. How is, how is that going to Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. We get that you're God, but you're also saying we're your people. How did we get that? Yeah, we got that by trusting him trusting him. So here's the thing. Before we even see any of the commands, God wanted to make very clear one thing. It's this. God's only requirement for the relationship, simple. God's only requirement for the relationship was trust. 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 Now, I have a feeling that in a room like this, some of you have grown up thinking that you have to behave before you can belong to God. You've thought that you've got to keep the rules and you've got to clean up what you mess up because it's all on you. And, and before God talks about rules at all, God says, I'm God, you're my people. How did we get that? We didn't do anything. Yeah, I know, just Trust me. Trust me. And I wonder, and I want you to wrestle with a question for you. Have you taken this step? Before we go any further in talking about the rules, I, I, I just got to ask you, have you taken this step to trust now, he continues on, and he starts talking about the rules. And here's the thing. Based on the way I grew up, I would think 
that God's about to say, okay, here's the rule, and if you keep this rule, great, you're, you're my people. If you don't keep the rule, I'm sorry, but you're out. If you keep, okay, well, let, let's be more gracious. I'm going to give you ten rules. If you can keep, you know, six or seven, you're fine. But if you can only keep, you know, five, four, okay, if you can only keep three, I'm sorry, i got to draw a line someplace, and then you're out. And it's, it's easy to think that that's how God is. Because we, we experience guilt and shame and we wonder, how could God love me? And yet, in Exodus chapter 20, this very place where at the outset God is establishing the rules and saying, here it is. That is not what we find. Look at verse 3. He says, he says, you must not have any other gods but me. Now, if you had just seen God destroy the nation of Egypt and lead them across the, the Red Sea on, on dry land with a, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and you had seen all of that, I'd kind of hear this and go, uh, check in that box, good to go. But you know what's really funny? Israel struggled with this for the rest of their history. And time and time again, God was continually chasing after Israel and saying, hey, hey, come on. And time and time again, he would have to chasten them or discipline them like a parent disciplines a child. And sometimes he even had to kind of put them in time out and say, all right, you know, you're, you're going to have to have a time out. But time and time again, God demonstrates, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Time and time again. But at the very outset, the first thing God says is, you must not have any other gods but me. But remember, he'd already said, I'm your God, you're my people. So that tells me something. It tells me that the rules were never a condition of the relationship. The rules were never like, keep the rules and you're in, don't keep the rules and I'm sorry, buddy, Better luck next time. It was never that. It was never that. But what is it? Well, the rest of the rules unpack a number of things that are designed to help us be in good relationships. It, it, it's the very reason uh, my wife and I established rules. Like, I never thought I would have to establish a rule, don't pull your sister's hair. Like, I thought that was, you know, I, I, I thought that was fairly self-explanatory. I never thought I'd have to establish rules, don't throw things at each other's faces. But you have to. Why? Because you're trying to protect each other. So let's look at some of the other rules. I mean, one, it's a pretty, pretty good one. It says, you, you, sh you must not murder. That's a pretty good one. Seems good to help protect us, right? There's another. It says, you must not commit adultery. I mean, that's a pretty good one, too. No one wants to be cheated on. That sounds great, right? 
There's another one that says you must not steal. Okay. I've had things stolen. I've had a truck stolen and trailers stolen. And I've had, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's a sinking feeling. And if you find out who did it, it breaks relationships. He also says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. Don't, don't lie to each other. But never once in these verses does God say, if you don't, you're out. Or if you do, you're out. No. Here's why. The rules were designed to protect the people in the relationship. The rules The things that God lays out in His Word were designed to protect you and me from hurting each other and hurting ourselves and damaging our our relationship with God. Plain and simple. The rules were designed to protect you. In fact, I tell my kids all the time, my wife and I have adopted this this mantra, and we tell our kids every time, every time God says don't, he's also saying don't hurt yourself. Why? Because he loves us. And because he's made a relationship possible with us. Through Jesus. So here's the thing. It's just, just think out loud with me for a minute. What if the Ten Commandments okay, were a confirmation, not a condition, of their relationship with God? What if, just what if, when God met with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, it's found for us where in the Bible? Good job. What if God wasn't saying, hey, here's the conditions. You keep them or you don't. I don't care, but if you do, you're in. If you don't, you're out. What if God was actually confirming to them, hey, I asked you to trust me. You trusted me. You're in. Okay, here's the rules to protect you. What if they were a confirmation, not a condition? Now, please don't hear me wrong because some people will hear this and they will go, Oh, cool! The rules don't matter! Freedom! Woohoo! No. God's trying to protect us, and they're there for our good. But all of that, Exodus chapter 20, All of that was to the nation of Israel. We're not the nation of Israel. I don't know if there's anyone here of a a Jewish background. I'm not. I'm not part of the nation of Israel. So, are the rules 
the same for us? And are they there for the same reason, you know, for us? Or is it different now? Well, let me, can I just remind you of a, uh, of a few things that were said to Abraham and then the history, real quick, of the nation of Israel. Remember, we started this whole thing talking about Abraham. And remember, all the way back in, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 18, God says this, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and look at this, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. God was thinking about all the nations of the earth all the way back starting with, with Abraham. He was thinking about us. Now, throughout the years, the nation would grow and, 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 and they would at times follow God and then at times not follow God and they'd follow other gods. And so, like I said before, there were times where God had to kind of put them in time out. And one time he even put them in time out for 70 years and said, you're going to have to sit and wait because you've just forsaken me and you've forgotten everything and you've just walked away. But never once did God walk away from them. Never once. In the midst of that 70-year time frame, God raised up a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And Isaiah, if you read him, he seems kind of angry because he's having to tell the nation of Israel to repent. But even then, God says through Isaiah this. He says, in Isaiah uh, chapter, chapter 49, he says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to where? To the ends of the earth. God is saying, I'm going to restore Israel. He's talking about a future time. He's talking about when the Messiah would come. And he's saying the Messiah is going to do more than just rescue and bring Israel back to me. He's also going to be a light to the Gentiles and he's going to bring his salvation to the ends of the earth. God was thinking about us. Now, how do we know how the rules apply and whether or not we're, we're in? And, and is it you've got you've to, you know, balance your good deeds out with your bad? Well, let me just show you. When Jesus showed up, the one who... The Bible shows us, is this guy the light to the Gentiles bringing my salvation? When he showed up, John records for us something about him. He says this in John chapter 1, But to all who believed him, this is Jesus, and accepted him, again, Jesus, he gave the right to become what? The children of God. The children of God. Is it birth? Do you have to be born into the family of God? Is it behavior? Is it, you know, you got to behave before you can belong? Or is it belief? Well, if we back up... <laughs> And look at that again, John chapter 1. Look at what he says. Let me just remind you again. He says this, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. What is he saying? It's very simple. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. So what do you think? What model is it? Is it the, the family model? Is it the, hey, 
you know, you become a child of God. God says, trust me, and you're in. And then here's the rules, and they're there to protect you. And they're there as a confirmation, not a condition of your relationship with God. Is it that, or is it the club model where it's like, hey, you keep all of the rules, and you do the religious activities, and you show up for church, and you don't miss, and it's this and that, and you do your confirmation, and you go to Mass, and you do a, is that it? Or is it, God says, trust me. And the rules are there for your protection. So here's kind of the bottom line. Here's the, here's, here's the thing I want you to remember when it comes to the role of rules. And why the scripture gives us guidelines. The bottom line is simple. The Ten Commandments were a confirmation, not a condition, of their relationship with God. And I would go one step further. The rest of the rules and the rest of the guidelines given to you in Scripture are confirmation that God loves you enough to protect you. He's not a cosmic fun hater. He loves you so much that He could look down the path and see the decisions that we might consider and see what they will produce and say, hey, watch out. Because I don't want to see you break in relationships and I don't want to see you hurting yourself and I don't want there to be a barrier between you and me. So I love you. Here you go. So here's my question for you. Have you trusted him? And if you have, then my question is a little bit different. Is it time to trust him with the rules too and to say, okay, you're working for my good, not just trying to keep me from having fun. I want to trust you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and just the beautiful clarity of it. That you love us so very much that you see down the path and you know where things lead us. You know that when we, 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 you know, we, we make choices with our bodies that, that, that lead to destruction, you know what it does. And so you've warned us, you've loved us enough to protect us and to tell us and to, to give us clarity and guidance. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us that much. And thank you. Thank you for the example of Israel. They, they, they did not earn anything. They just trusted you. And I know that's true of me too. I haven't earned a thing. So thank you for Jesus, we pray in Christ's name.